0: Hello, and welcome back to another Choosing to Heal episode. My guess is if you're pressing play, you either just went through a breakup or maybe you've been single for a while and you're just wondering how long do you have to wait until you put yourself out there again? And maybe you're asking this question because you truly don't know. Maybe you're asking this question because you have fears about what people will think, whether it's too soon. What is that perfect length of time? I remember when I went through my divorce, this was a huge question that I had. Like, you know, how long should I stay single so that I can heal and do the work? Like, how long do I need in order to do that? Like, you don't want to jump back into a relationship only to repeat the same relationship patterns, right? So is that true? If you move on too soon, does that mean you're unhealthy and doomed to fail? Is staying single the only way to do the work and heal those? relationship wins. There's just a lot of questions. And in this episode, I'm sharing my opinion, which spoiler alert, not a popular one. Hey there, you're listening to the choosing to heal podcast, where we ditch the small talk for real deep conversations about all that life has to offer. I'm your host, Monica Lee. And my goal is to share insights and tangible tips to help you maximize your potential and live a life full of intention and purpose. From mental, emotional, and physical wellness to relationships, faith, and business, the goal is always the same. We're choosing to heal, grow, and thrive each day. So grab a cup of coffee, get comfy, and let's chat. So to give you some context, I'm going to share a little bit of my personal backstory um, in regards to this topic. So in 2021, I decided that I wanted to divorce my former husband. And I did not anticipate dating right away um, because it was really important to me to reflect and really do some work so that I didn't end up in another relationship only to repeat these same patterns. Um, Especially because the reason I came to the conclusion to divorce happened as a result of me just continuing to do a lot of work. I had a lot of big aha moments. I really grew as a person and started to discover that I actually had needs and wants in a relationship. I didn't even know what my core values were. And so I really wanted to continue to do that work because the last thing that I wanted to do is get like remarried and 10 years later, go through yet another divorce. So I shared the story in episode seven, which to this day, I think might be one of the most popular episodes I have on the podcast. Um, so I would recommend pressing play on that after this one, if you want the full story. But basically after my divorce, I gave myself a homework assignment as part of doing my work as a very, very freshly newly single person. And the reason I did this was because I had a history of choosing unavailable partners simply because I wanted to feel chosen. So that was like the common denominator. That was the most important quality is how they made me feel. And if they made me feel like I was the apple of their eye, or maybe they had some undesirable qualities or they were unavailable, like if I could get them to want me, it would prove that I'm desirable. It would prove that I am worth being chosen. And so that was really my main motivator for being in a relationship with someone, which isn't very great. My worst fear was to get back on the dating scene only to repeat the same pattern of jumping into a relationship with the first person I met simply because we had chemistry and because they seemed interested. By this point, I had done some work to really think about what was important to me in this next relationship and how I wanted to show up differently as well. So the whole goal of this homework assignment was to see if I could get on a dating app, not with the intention of finding someone or dating someone, but I really wanted to test myself to see if someone started showing interest in me. If we had a conversation, could I stay true and authentic to who I am? Could I communicate who I was, regardless of whether they liked it about me or not. I really wanted to make sure that I could show up on the dating scene confident in who I am, confident in what I wanted and desired for a a relationship. And that was something that I had never successfully been able to do. So the ironic thing about this story is I went on this app, again, just as a test for myself as part of my work, not with the intention to get back out there in the dating world. But I ended up having this amazing conversation with my now partner, Joshua. And remember how I just said that authenticity was my number one goal. Well, I had no problem disclosing to him like, hey, I'm Monica. I'm in the process of going through a divorce. Here are the reasons why. Here's all the ways that my failures contributed to the downfall of our relationship. Like I just was completely honest and transparent, authentic. Like I didn't have anything to hide. And that was the whole goal. What I didn't expect is what a real, raw, and vulnerable, intimate conversation I would have with this person. So all of a sudden, here's this person who shared all the same values as me, but the timing was all wrong, right? Like, this isn't when I wanted to meet someone like this. Like, why couldn't I meet him six months from now or a year from now or when it wouldn't be so? like taboo for me to be getting back out there or like even talking to someone, right? Aren't I supposed to stay single for a little bit? Like, don't I have to go through this entire divorce process? So it's very messy and it really got into my head about it. This can't be a good thing, can it? But this person that I'm talking to, I know that I'm able to show up as my authentic self. I really like him for all of the right reasons. I know this isn't like, a trauma bond, or just based on chemistry. Like, we're having these conversations about things that were really important and shared core values. And we were both super open and honest. He was a divorced dad as well. So I was a divorced mom. Like, we shared that in common. We both walked away from our marriages stronger and wiser, and knowing what didn't work in that relationship, knowing that we both contributed to it. And so, yeah, it was. Such a pickle that I found myself in because internally I was questioning my own judgment. Like, could I trust myself to make smart decisions? Like, I clearly chose my last relationship and that didn't work out too well. So, like, do I even have the ability to know for sure that this conversation that I'm having with this person, like, that it's legitimate and really what I want? Can I trust myself? And then on the flip side of that, there were external fears like, what are my friends going to say? Like, I literally just told them that I was going to go through a divorce. God forbid, tell my therapist. Like, she's definitely going to tell me I'm doing all of this wrong. And then, you know, the bigger picture, what is society going to think? Society, quotations, like, which leads me into my next point. The reality is there is this unspoken societal stigma around how long you should wait before you start dating again. I don't know exactly what that number is, but everybody seems to have a different opinion on what that length of time is. Believe it or not, even you have a preconceived notion or idea as to what you think to be an acceptable amount of time before you start dating again. This is just based on your own life experience. It's based on contributing factors or influences in your life and For me, when I reached that point, there was a lot of shooting going on in my head. Like you should wait before you jump into another relationship. If you stay single, that's a good thing. That means you have time to do the work. That's the healthy thing to do. Do not jump back into a relationship. If you do, that means you're clearly insecure. You can't be alone. You're just going to repeat the same patterns and you're trauma bonding again. And it's just a rebound. So what is this magical length of time that makes it okay? to move on, who freaking knows? Like I said, everybody has their own idea as to what that number, that magical number is. But even though there is no number, it still creates this fear of what people are going to think. Once I met Joshua, you'd think that I'd be so excited to run to my best friends and tell them that I had met this guy and he's all the things that I want in a relationship just to have that excitement and share in that excitement with them. But I didn't tell them right away. And I certainly didn't tell my therapist right away because the last thing that I wanted to hear was that I was doing something quote unquote wrong when I was trying so hard to do things right relationally, which is why I chose divorce as I I wanted to be in a relationship that was in alignment. And so I didn't want to be seen as the girl who can't be alone, who never learns her lesson, who obviously just needs a guy to be happy. And unfortunately, that led me to withhold this information, which caused me to live out of alignment anyway, by default. So next, I want to look at two of the biggest stigmas when it comes to that societal expectation. There's usually two schools of thought here. The first being that you should stay single. And if you stay single, then you can use that time to really dig deep and self-reflect on your own shortcomings and all the junk you brought into your relationship. And you can go to therapy and really work on healing those dysfunctional patterns you had in your previous relationships. So staying single is good. This was the stigma that I had in my head. That was my assumption or my belief about dating and the length of time around dating was I should wait for the reasons I just mentioned. However, what I didn't consider and what I want to put out there as just for food for thought is you can also stay single And completely numb and distract yourself from your feelings. You can go through a breakup and go years without once reflecting on what went wrong. You can immediately just blame your ex partner for all the failures and be blind to your own shortcomings. You know, you can numb by drinking, sleeping around and completely avoid doing the work. So as you can see, the length of time that you're single really has nothing to do with whether or not you are ready. Because let's say there's these two single ladies that have been single for two years. I feel like I'm saying the word single so much. So I apologize. It's weird. Um, Let's say there's two people who've been single for two years. Can we really compare them as apples to apples and say that both are ready to date again just because it's been two years and that's a decent amount of time? Well, society might say so like, oh... You've been single for so long. Like even if it's the woman who has avoided all of her work and just avoided all of her feelings, all of her emotions, you know, she might have people in her social circle who are like, girl, you've been single for two years. It's definitely time to put yourself out there. But if the other person has spent that two years doing her work, going to therapy, journaling and processing and really being intentional with that time so that she could grow and go into her next relationship with intention, well, that person's going to have a much higher chance of success in their next relationship than the other. So hopefully you can see the point that I'm trying to illustrate. And on the flip side of the coin, this also goes for people who opt to be in a relationship sooner than later. You know, and if you're listening to this and maybe you fall into that camp because that was me, like this was my biggest fear was jumping back in with the next guy who gives you attention because it temporarily satisfies your subconscious need to feel chosen and wanted, which is something you never received as a kid. Like you can be unconscious to your childhood trauma and how it's a huge balance factor and who you're picking and why you're picking them in fact it has everything to do with that. So like we don't want to do that. Again, that was my focus in my school of thought. Like these were the stigmas coming into my mind. If I stay single, it means that that's a good thing, the healthy thing. If I jump back into a relationship, then that's bad. That means I'm blind and unconscious and have insecure attachment, all the things. And we've all heard this story and perhaps you're familiar with it yourself. Like different guy, same problems. Even if the chemistry is amazing and you think he's the one, if you're not doing the work to heal what trauma is causing you to self-sabotage or act out in your relationships, it's only a matter of time when this relationship will also come crashing down. In the same way as all of your other ones in the past. So your partner could be the healthiest person in the world. But if you aren't able to take accountability for your role in maintaining a healthy relationship, if you don't know how to repair, if you are constantly blaming them for everything, eventually you will sabotage the relationship. So (laughs) we don't want that, but let's look at the flip side of this. And this is where I found myself shortly after my divorce, but I hadn't considered this as an option, honestly. So if you think about a breakup, the end of a relationship can happen in one of two ways. It can reach a point to where it's so toxic and so dysfunctional that you can't stand to even look at them anymore. Or the resentment runs so deep and the decision is made out of pure hurt, anger, and just in a way to protect yourself from any further damage. On the flip side of that, while there was hurt in our marriage, my former husband and I, we, we went the route of trying to heal, that hurt. And we committed to going to therapy for a year and a half before our marriage eventually ended. And during that time, a lot of healing did take place on my part, his part, and within our relationship. And by going through that healing process, I was able to identify my role in what went wrong, which I was trying to control and change him into who I wanted him to be. So my decision to divorce was made out of A place of love and acceptance. Like I was finally able to take ownership and accountability for my own actions and act in alignment with my best self, which meant I couldn't try to change him any longer. I had to accept him exactly as he was. And exactly who he was wasn't exactly what I needed in that relationship. And that's okay. So again, if we were to compare apples to apples or compare two people who choose to be in relationships shortly after the end of their last one, It's not going to be exactly the same because in the same way that there can be two single people who've been single for years and they're not the same, someone who ends their relationship from a place of growth and healing, who has developed self-awareness to their own contributions, who has learned to take accountability for their part and is aware in what ways the relationship has gone wrong, but you're not ending it out of like protection mode, out of fight or flight mode, that person is going to have a lot more success in their next relationship than someone who is impulsively ending the relationship out of anger, out of resentment and unresolved hurts. So as you can see, this is driving home the point that length of time has nothing to do with it. So the single lady who stays single for two years, five years, 10 years, and is drinking and sleeping her way through the phone book and someone who maybe just got fresh out of a relationship, but has done so much work within that relationship and has learned from that relationship, well, they're not going to need as long to have success in their next relationship. Moral of the story, there is no right length of time. Everyone's different. Your stories are different. Your traumas are different. Your patterns in your relationship are different. Your circumstances are different. So there's just no way to put a timeline on being ready, which means we need to throw society standards out the freaking window. <laughs> and it felt so good to finally be able to arrive to that place where I could do that. But it took a while, if I'm being honest. So if someone in your life is telling you it's too soon or has an opinion on whether or not you're ready, don't listen to them. Nobody has the right to judge and nobody knows your situation more intimately than you do. So it's really a matter of being super honest to yourself, looking yourself in the face and having that inner intuition to know whether or not you are ready. So I hope you found those comparisons helpful, but in the event that you are still unsure, you're still not quite ready. I have some questions that you can ask yourself to really dig deeper into helping you arrive at that decision as to whether or not you feel ready. And I want you to answer these honestly. You're not going to be graded on them. And obviously, you're not going to share them back with me or with anyone. You can just write them in your journal or just think about it. And the answers to these questions will help you to think intentionally. It will help bring consciousness and awareness to yourself, to your relational patterns, which is really important when you are trying to move on into a successful, healthy relationship. So I'm just going to list them off rapid fire. How did your last relationship end and why? In what ways did you contribute to the failure of the relationship? What are your shortcomings when it comes to being in relationship? What do you want and need in a relationship? What are your non-negotiables? How do you want to show up differently in your next relationship? How will you be a better partner in your next relationship? Are you able to show up and share authentically, open, and honest? Are you conscious and aware of your childhood trauma and how it shows up in relationship? When you look back at your past relationships, are you able to connect the dots and see why and how you ended up in those relationships? And what's the common theme there? If you were to intentionally choose a partner, what qualities would they have? And last but not least, and this one is super important, what are your core values? If you're unsure about this last question, I want you to head to the description of this episode so you can download my free core values workbook. It will help you identify your values and non-negotiables in relationship. And this is one of the exact exercises I did immediately after my decision to divorce. And it really did help me head into the dating scene and my current relationship with intention, knowing that our relationship would be built on a solid foundation of shared values. All right, if you made it this far, I just wanna say, I know how hard it is to wrestle with this question. Am I ready? And all of the fears that come along with it. Even though it's been almost two years that I've been in this relationship with my current partner, recently I've gotten a handful of comments on social media from people who think it's creepy that I moved on so quickly after my divorce. These were the comments and the judgments I was so scared of in the beginning. Like This was my worst worst fear was for someone to say something negative just like this, that it's so creepy. Ew, what are you doing? But now I am to a place where I realize that These are coming from people who, A, don't know a thing about me or my story, where I come from, where I've been, who I am. B, they're choosing to judge me with little to no information. And C, they're viewing my life and my choices through the lens of their own hurts and life experiences. You know, they likely have fears about being judged or have been judged by others in the same way that they're judging And all of us do this. Like We all look at everybody else through our own lens of life experience, which is why I've had those stigmas of thinking that being single meant healthy and jumping back into relationship meant unhealthy. Why? Because in my own life experience, that was the reality was it was very unhealthy for me to go into these relationships without a lot of time. And so I naturally developed this belief that it was associated with the length of time. When I think of it that way, uh, that other people are viewing it from their own lens of life experience, it helps me to have empathy for them because I know it's just a reflection of where they are emotionally in their own healing journey. And it really has nothing to do with me. So I'm able to rest a lot more confidently in my decision. And lastly, in case you don't have anyone in your life who understands what you're going through, let me be the one to encourage you. I trust in you to make the best decision for yourself. I trust you can advocate for you. I trust in your ability to heal and become a better partner. And I trust that you are the best person to make these important decisions for your life. So if you're not to a place where you can look yourself in the mirror and say that, just hear it from me. Take my own confidence. Borrow it until you believe it yourself. You got this. Keep choosing to heal. Hey again. Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end, which makes you one of my favorite people. If you can think of anyone who would benefit from listening to this episode, it would mean the world if you'd either send it to them directly or share about it on social media. Ratings and reviews are the absolute best way you can support the podcast and keep the content coming. So make sure to subscribe and leave some love while you're at it. You can find me on all of the social platforms at Monica Lee blog and follow the podcast at choosing to heal. Thanks again. And I'll see you next time.